All right, folks, you got me uh, here. This is the Nobody Likes Casey McClain podcast. Coming out late. Uh, you got me. I'm driving, and I've driven far enough away from my home that as you hear directions, I don't think you'll be able to reverse engineer where I live. That's what I've been waiting for. This podcast will last as long as this camera lasts. If you're not watching this, please go to my uh, my YouTube page. Oh, man, I'm driving by this fucking tow yard. Bill's Towing in Tacoma, these assholes. They do have a thankless job. I had my... I parked illegally one time, and I got towed. But it was like... It was borderline... It was definitely illegal, but poorly marked, I would say. It was a spot that was temporarily illegal, and it had uh, no parking signs. And I don't think that the... What was the deal? I think the date thing was, like, unclear on it. The, the range. Date range. Anyway. Bill's towing in Tacoma. Um... So I'm driving to the Everett Historic Theater. I'm actually, right now I'm driving to Staples so I can pick up pick up some uh, promotional material, but I'm uh, doing a show tonight at the Everett Historic Theater with John Caparulo, who's one of these guys who's just like been around forever. I've seen his, I've never seen him perform. I've, uh, I've done a bunch of, um, a bunch of shows at Tacoma Comedy Club and he's at Tacoma Comedy Club every year. And, uh, I just have never crossed paths with him, which is kind of funny because he's my cousin's favorite comic, which doesn't seem to matter. Um, also, it's funny because my cousin has told me every time he's watched John Caparulo perform that he hates the openers, and uh, I've known the openers, and I'm like, oh, you're wrong. You're wrong, cousin. Um <laughs> Anyway, like 500 people coming to the show tonight. Pretty cool. Pretty goddamn awesome. I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm there tonight. It, this is done by the time you hear this, or I guess if you hear this, the tickets that are still available, or there's no tickets available, uh, because tomorrow night I'm doing a show with him at the Enum Claus, Enum Claus Chalet Theater, and uh, he boy. I, I wonder how much of this uh, this traffic, these directions you get to hear. Anyway, um, I am... So th- that show's all sold out, which is pretty cool. It feels like it's a little bit, like, uh, jaded sounding, but I'm like, yeah, it's like, you know, the weekend. I get to go perform in front of a thousand people across two shows, and it's like, yeah, it's, like, cool, but I'm not featuring. I'd like to be featuring, you know? It's such a, like... Like, comedy is such a hedonic treadmill where it's in a hedonic treadmill is like you basically just quickly acclimate to any success or failure you have. So if your arm gets cut off, you'll pretty quickly acclimate to having one arm cut off. If you grow an extra arm, you'll grow uh, acclimated to that also. And uh, if you grew just a much larger penis, you would have to, you just would get used to it very quickly. And if it got way smaller, you'd get used to it very quickly, I guess. So it's like both good and bad, right? Like you you adapt, people adapt in general. So a couple years ago, if you'd have been like, can you imagine on a Friday night you're driving to perform in front of 500 people in Everett, Washington? I'd be like, 
wow, I must have really done it. I must have really made some fucking headway in this comedy business. And uh, the truth is, you get to that, you get to that false summit, and it's not that high. It turns out not that high. <laughs> but I think the reality is, is that comedy is full of almost exclusively false summits. So uh, you got it. What is that shit they say? You got it. Oh man, I saw it on a meme. I saw it on a golf meme today. Which was like, uh, if you, a person who enjoys walking, a person who loves walking will walk much further than someone who loves the destination. That's pretty good, huh? That's pretty good. Um, I, I mean, I agree with that. I think like you got to enjoy the parts of comedy that are this, that are driving in the rain to Everett to. By the way, it's uh, I'm getting paid very well, so let's not let's not uh, shake a stick at that either. It's not even like it's not money. It's just straight up my ego is not getting fed uh, as strongly as I as I would like ever, really, ever in my life. Never in my life is my ego fully satisfied. It's a, it's a me problem. It's not a it's not a comedy business problem. Um, John Caparulo, also another comedian that exclusively performs in a baseball hat, which will be interesting. He'll be the second of that type I've worked with. The other is Josh Wolf. Um, I think, I think, uh, has John Caparulo been on shows? I don't think he's ever had like his own show, right? Um, um, I thought I might have had to pick up stuff for the contract writer, turns out. I do not. Um, all right. Uh, but yeah, he's the guy that, like, comics that you respect, like, is what I would say. It's really hard right now to work with comics that you deeply respect unless you know them very well personally and also make money. Like, those are that's the trade-off, basically, right? It's like... Um, when I've gotten to go on the road, the last couple times I've been on the road, it was Hans Kim, who I know personally. It was uh, Andrew Rivers, who I know personally. Gabe Rutledge, who I know personally. Uh, the owner of, or uh, it was Tucson with Charlie Weiner. And I'll, I'll say about that club, I really liked it, but it's a club that like, my preference would be to headline it. I'm not, I'm not saying that they don't have good headliners there, but like, it's not at the same level as some of the other clubs that I would typically feature at. So my hope is that they will book me to feature at some point or to headline at some point. In fact, I got to send them an email because now that I got this new kid, I get to really fucking open up about, I've had this block in my avails and I've been like, oh, family reasons, which sounds like I'm going to an inpatient rehab center or I have to serve a delayed prison sentence. And the reality is I've just fuck my life up with a new kid. I got some new material that I need to do about that, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, you gotta appreciate, you gotta appreciate it. I also like, I'm hosting and I take ho today, which, and I take hosting very seriously. And the other part about hosting that kind of stinks is one, it's shorter time on stage. I always like doing more time. There are comics who, when they get their time cut, they will say, I don't know, I don't know that they always mean it, but they will say, uh, well, less work for me. And I do not, 
care about less work for me. I don't have 90 minutes of material that I'm proud of, but if I did, let me do the whole 90 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, let's just see. That's why it's tough, by the way. I've noticed this, and I'm trying to figure out how to break myself of this, but I get really married to the order jokes should go in. And then the way that I write, oh man, what a boring conversation, by the way. This might not ever see the light of YouTube, but the way that I write typically is I will come up with a premise and then grow that premise. And then it's like constant ads and subtractions, right? It's like everything is, it's the uh, Pete Carroll always compete philosophy where there's additions and subtractions happening all the time. And the more agnostic I can be, the less married to any of these things I can be, the better the result is for you and for me. Ugh and for comedy clubs and whatever, the better the jokes do. The more harsh the editing, the better the jokes are for the people. Now, what that can mean is, of course, it takes longer to fill an hour of material because you have to, because you're not, there's not filler that's, you know, C minus jokes or whatever. And uh, fine, that's true, it's possible. yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's what everyone does that can fill an hour quickly. I do. I am pretty skeptical of these guys that are writing like a new hour every nine to eighteen months. But I'm like so far away from that even being a potential uh, reality for me that I'm I'm hoping for a twenty-five new minutes a year. That's my new goal: twenty-five new minutes a year, which means, to a large degree, bombing on premises. Uh, throughout the year. Um, But I need to become less married to the order things go in because uh, I get kind of rehearsed and I start trying to cram all the material in so I'm saying it faster than I should. And the reality is that I need to slow down, have fun, be loose on stage, be present in the moment, etc., etc. All that shit the comedians were talking about about nine years ago I got to start taking that on and then maybe we'll talk about an hour a year a long time from now. I got to keep getting better. Um, this is a, uh, by the way, what I'm drinking here, though this is not a nightcap edition of the podcast, is a Kirkland Signature 100% Colombian cold brew drunk at warm temperature and, uh, as fast as possible. I wouldn't call it my favorite coffee. Oh, this is verging. It's already verging on a Gabriel Rutledge podcast. He has a podcast called The Drive Home. Um, he also has a theme or an ongoing bit where he says, uh, I, like my, I like my coffee. He, he goes, uh, I actually like my coffee like I like my women. And then he's got a joke that I'm never good at writing on the spot. Like, uh, black tall and with a penis. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what the, I don't know what the, uh, <laughs> God, we need to get kicked off of YouTube for this. Uh, yeah, something like that. I, I don't think that's a Gabe original. I don't think that was even a cover of mine or that wasn't a cover of Gabe. I'll clear, clarify that was my own. That's why I don't do those kind of jokes in real time. Um, <laughs> But this is, uh, it's not coffee for the people who are coffee snobs, though I do put myself into that category. I will take on 
the unfortunate moniker of being a, a hipster in many regards. One of them is I'm very particular about my coffee. I'm also very particular about my um, beer. Ooh, a little, little uh, looks like maybe a no contact accident, an ugly pullover. Interesting. Hopefully everyone's all right. You have to say that. Um, but yeah, if you just need to get the demon into your body, tall black and with a penis. No. <laughs> if you need to get the demon into your body, if you just need to get caffeine into your body, very easy. Keep them in your car. Uh, it is straight up black cold brew. So it's, uh, they say it's like two and a half cups of coffee. Is that what it says? Uh, I would say it when you drink them straight and quick, they hit hard. So, uh, and it's low carb and inexpensive. You can get a case of them at Costco for like 12 bucks. Mm. 17 bucks. Case of 12 for 17 bucks. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Anyway, um, have I talked about writing about comedy enough? Would you, would you like to hear me fucking wax poetically, wax philosophically about some shit that I'm not that good at? Better than you, don't get me wrong. I'm better than you are at it, but I'm like in the, you know, anybody that's any has any success in comedy is, you know, in probably the, I've always said like a thing that comics are bad at appreciating is just how unlikely it is that they reach the whatever heights they are at. Like I'm, uh, I mean, I'm going and doing a show at this fucking theater. I should make sure that the audio is recording, right? Yeah, we're recording. Maybe 16 minutes in. Probably about 12 minutes of, uh, of podcast so far. One thing that comedians are really bad at is understanding how unlikely it was that they ever became a comedian that got booked for money anyway. There are comedians, I say this like all the time, Seattle has, let's say, 500 comedians, people who are actively trying to be comedians. Some of those people are doing 10 open mics a year. Some of them are doing two open mics a day. Uh, I'm somewhere in the middle of those people. Many of those people never get booked on a paid show the entire time they do comedy. They do comedy a handful of times, never, uh, never get paid. Sometimes they do it for years, never get paid. Uh, sometimes they do it and they're decent at the beginning and they, they plateau, they flatten out. Their career never makes any progress. Um, sometimes they get a little further along and plateau. And, you know, I think everybody plateaus a little bit. But to reach the point where you're at an A club or, you know, hosting at a theater truly puts you in. And this isn't to suck my own dick. I haven't removed any ribs for this part of the podcast. It puts you in the 99th percentile of comedians. There's most people who do comedy, 99% of people who do comedy will never perform in a theater for 500 people. That's just the reality. And they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Also, it's not just luck. Some of it's luck. Some of it is hard work. Some of it's skill. But as comedians, being in, or whatever, the 1% of comics who get to do that is something we're really bad at appreciating. There's, so Seattle, 500 comics 
there's maybe like on a weekend there are like seven comedians being paid by clubs local comedians to do shows maybe fewer than that maybe more than that sometimes but it's like a very small portion of the scene and then even again most of those people aren't going to be 500 seater hosts so whatever the guy that's featuring is very good Barunji he's a perfectly qualified to feature it's nothing against him in particular and by the way I'm not saying that just because he's featuring I definitely have worked with people where I'm like this is a person who's not better than me or doesn't deserve to be featuring I think he and I Barunji and I are in like a similar echelon a similar tier of comedy and I think that um, he's very funny Barunji I'll have him on the podcast at some point I wanted to talk to him at one point because he uh, he changed his name that he went by, like, socially and on stage. He was Robert Barungi, but that was an Americanized, because he's from, oh, man, what place is he from? Not Nigeria, right? He is from, oh, man, Uganda. He's from Uganda. And uh, his name is Barunji. Presumably there's he has a last name of some type, but it's Barunji. He goes by Barunji. I don't really understand how it works. Barunji Barunji on uh, social media. Very, uh, so anyways, he goes by Robert Barunji. The entire time I know him, he decides at some point he's going to start going by just Barunji. That's fine. Uh, I do a show with him and a comedian, another black comedian named Robert Moore. Uh, and at one point in the show, I go, oh, something, something, Robert, I mean Barunji. And what I realized about four minutes later is that everybody in the crowd, because they didn't realize that Barunji used to go by Robert Barunji, thought that I just confused the only two black guys on the show with each other. The reality is I forgot that Barunji had changed his name back to, or changed his name to just Barunji. And so I was, uh, (laughs) but the whole crowd is like this racist piece of shit. And, uh, all right, that's the whole story. There's no, I realized it, talked to them both about, I talked to Barunji about it after he's like, oh yeah, I know. But it was very funny to watch the crowd think you were... One day, maybe maybe on... Um, when I switch this motherfucker back over to Patreon. I've probably promised to show this uh, roast video before, but Barunji and I roasted each other one time. And he won. Uh, I also took the unsympathetic view of a person doing edgy roast jokes. A white dude doing edgy roast jokes against an African guy. Uh, but... We both had very good sets, and uh, it went to some dark places. And maybe one day I'll uh, I'll share it on the on uh, Patreon. I have it on my YouTube, but it's private. Um, do I have anything to talk about? George Santos, you guys heard of that guy? He's uh, that guy's funny. That's such a funny story. If you're not connected to politics in any like meaningful way, or I think another thing is I just don't have the like capacity to just get emotionally ruined every single day. 
Um, especially by something that, like, will not affect me in any way. I think it's just maturity and, like, limited bandwidth, right? It's like I have a kid, another kid on the way. And it's so liberating to say that, by the way. It's so liberating to be able to actually say that I'm having another kid. It's not like I've even been hiding it from people, but at the beginning of that, you can't tell anyone because the, the risk of miscarriage is very high. But also, like, one of my wife and I, my favorite things to do together is to drink craft beer, to find and drink great craft beer. And so for three months, we have to make up some fucking reason why my wife isn't drinking when we go to places. And uh, so that's over. Um, we got to make up reasons why she's not doing black tar heroin also. It's like a whole thing. Uh, yeah. I, the first time we had a kid, I went to this uh, Christmas party. And well, first time she was pregnant. And uh, we hadn't told anyone. And this guy that I worked with had been like, um, well, he's like, when are you going to have a kid? When are you going to have a kid? Which I've now found is that you're not supposed to do that. It's like, uh, it's frowned upon to ask people when they're going to have a kid. To me, the thing about it is, is uh, I don't really give a shit when other people are going to have kids. Sometimes it's just... I don't have a lot to talk to that person about. And so let's pretend I'm curious about them, right? Like, uh, I'm not trying to pressure anyone into having a kid. I have no investment in anyone else's kids but my own, pretty much. Maybe my sister's. That's, and she doesn't have any. But even that's like, if she decided not to have kids, I guess more presence for uh, my kids, right? That's the, that's the mature way to look at it. 15 minutes. That's what we have left in this podcast because I'm picking up. I'm going to Staples. I've told you this already. Driving through scenic Kent, Washington. I think I will... I might not actually pass it. Oh, I might just pass my old... I used to live in an apartment building down here where I lived in an apartment with two roommates. Uh, One was a recent college graduate, community college graduate, who was working for a moving company and discovering he had a drinking problem. And the other was a like 27 year old uh, who had discovered long ago that he had a drinking problem. And also that that problem had given him the skill to drink just an absolute excessive amount of alcohol. That guy uh, lured a stray cat into our apartment and then pretended like it wouldn't leave him alone. We were like, I was like, how did you end up with this fucking cat? And he's like, oh, it just like followed me into the house. And I was like, you didn't like ever. And he's like, no, dude, I fed it every day. I gave it food every day. I, I fucking, he was like, had a month and a half long relationship with this cat before I moved into our house. And then when he left, when we moved out, he moved to a clean and sober house and didn't, he was such an alcoholic. He couldn't take care of a cat. Which is just wild. These things are basically decorations, these cats. Um, I probably told the story about uh, one day they were playing beer pong and it was snowing. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to have to work tomorrow, but um, I'm going to try to sleep just in case. I went to sleep. And I woke up to them screaming and yelling, playing beer pong. This is as one of these guys is discovering he's uh, 
probably got an alcohol issue. I go out, I ask them to stop. They tell me that I'm not working tomorrow, so don't worry about it. And I'm like, well, I might be, so shut the fuck up. Go out, go try to go to sleep, have to go back out. They promise to be quiet. Moments later, they uh, go back on that promise and are allowed again. Then I have my, uh, I go out uh, again, and one of the guys has his uh, shirt off. The uh, Let's say the, the uh, alcoholic newbie versus the alcoholic veteran. Neither is a veteran of a forum war, by the way. Just a veteran in the sense that it was not his first year as an alcoholic. Um, alcoholic newbie has his shirt off. Non, or the veteran is much less coordinated, but now winning at beer pong because the new guy has a lower tolerance for alcohol. They started doing, by the way, vodka pong. I'm remembering this now. I have never thought about that until this moment, but they were playing vodka pong. Wow, how stupid is that? Um, then I had my sister call one of their numbers, uh, pretending to be a leasing agent, telling them that there was a noise complaint and they needed to shut up. That guy, that bought me about 15 minutes of quiet. Then they were back at full volume. I asked my sister to call again. At this point they were so drunk. They didn't even answer their phone. Uh, I go out old, uh, old newbie shirt back on pants off tidy whities interesting scenario I think they might have been playing like strip beer pong by the way the new guy the newbie so blacked out drunk did not remember this all happening uh he starts taunting me that I'm not going to work the next day I grab him in a headlock bring him to the ground and hold his head to the ground. Because the other guy was sober enough to be like, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be, uh, I'm going to be, uh, oh, my phone is ringing. Um, we'll see. We'll see if I cut this out. So I, I think where I'm at is the, I get, get a call right by the way, climax of the story. Perfect timing. Um, oh, I'm behind a train. This podcast just got a lot longer. Not behind a train, but uh, at a train crossing. Um, so I uh, put my buddy in a headlock, hold his head to the ground. He gets mad. He starts whipping a laptop cord at me and bumps into the table. All of the alcohol on the table spills. And then because the table is like on, it's like a piece of plywood on sawhorses. It starts to funnel to the corner of the table, and basically 100% of the liquid pours directly onto his laptop, ruining his laptop. He's like whipping this cable in a way that's like pretty, pretty uh, dangerous. He goes to sleep. I finally go to sleep. I get to, uh, I get to uh, work and all that the next day. Dude has been—he's so blacked out. He has no memory of this. And uh, anyways, I didn't. I said all this because I might drive by this place. Didn't drive by it. Uh, very close to it, but I didn't actually drive by the place. One of those roommates also, um, he used to, I don't know, he was so hard on doorknobs. Like, he fucked up the doorknob of his uh, his bedroom. He fucked up the doorknob of our uh, apartment. And then one time he just left our apartment, like, 
with no, the doorknob was like disassembled, basically. He just like put it back in so people wouldn't know that the house was completely, oh man, I love not having roommates. Uh, also, he would leave the door unlocked all the time, and one time a, an elderly Native American man with dementia just like walked into our apartment, which was uh, disconcerting. What was I on before this? Because I want to—I just kind of want to talk about these guys now because I haven't driven through here in a long time. Uh, they also went to one time. They went to a bar together. Might have been around a similar time as this uh, beer pong vodka pong story. But the uh, the uh, veteran alcoholic picked up a kind of like what we would call now thick, but at the time was probably like a plus sized black woman brought her back to our, very cute, brought her back to our house. Apparently a newbie alcoholic had been giving her, giving it a shot, trying to, trying to pick her up and it failed and and was angry about a veteran alcoholic, um, succeeding and made a big thing, almost got a DUI, like got pulled over, got a speeding ticket, had to take a breathalyzer, was barely under the legal limit. Uh, that lady would uh, later, like the next morning, she walked through our screen door. Um, so destroyed our screen door. Same roommate also broke our, those like, they have those pocket doors for uh, like a laundry room. She, he broke the pocket door for our, uh, for our laundry room. Um... And then what else? What else did they do? They used to leave one <laughs> My wife, then my girlfriend, would. Uh, she would come over and we would make breakfast together. And, one, and we would go to, normally what we would do is just go to the grocery store, pick up. We would do the, like, single people from scratch cooking where it's like we don't have any of the ingredients. So to make pancakes costs us $57 because like, we got to buy every single thing plus a, plus a fucking pan to, you know, it was not a not a mature situation. Anyway, um, we bought all this stuff and one banana, and my roommate managed to like figure out how to not untie the bag, and took that one banana out from. I've God, I have to have told all these stories before, but I also uh, same same roommate. This is the first time my wife ever saw me, like, truly, like, deeply angry, like, enraged. What, and she doesn't see it a lot, by the way. But uh, we were close to being at the end of our lease, and uh, my roommate, the guy, same guy, didn't have his, um, his uh, doorknob on his door. And so... He was smoking. Back then there was this synthetic cannabinoid, like, THC substitute thing called Spice that we later found out, by the way, had, like, meth and stuff in it. But he was smoking that, and it had a very distinct smell, and I caught him doing it, and I yelled at him. And then he goes, dude, I'm so sorry. You're absolutely right. I'll never do it again. And then 15 minutes later, I smelled the spice coming from his room again. And uh, blew up exploded on him. Exploded. Very angry. 
Um, okay, okay. I, uh, man, Kent Washington really bringing back some uh, some memories. I should I've I've thought about putting this stuff about having roommates into into joke form. There's a little bit of a thing where I'm like a little self conscious about going like, well, back then, like telling a story where it's like, well, I had roommates a long time ago, and let's talk about nostalgic bullshit on stage. I don't know why I'm such a oh Jesus Christ, was that where I was supposed to turn? Oh my God. I'm supposed to turn up like a fucking 15 degree grade hill to get to this fucking Staples. What are you thinking, Kent Washington? Why do you even? Ha- and it's raining. Meeker Street. I once there was a place called the Meeker Street Pub that is the only bar that I've ever officially been kicked out of because. I've probably told this story before, but I drank, uh, I mean, I just drank to excess. I had worked like 70 hour weeks for six straight weeks or 12 straight weeks or something like that, like 42 straight days of work or something like that. And I was just exhausted and I was supposed to have a couple days off and I just went, went ham as the kids say, and uh, overdid it drinking, got kicked out of that bar and came home and, uh, did a really dumb thing and bruised my tailbone, missed a month of work. Still have occasional tailbone issues as a result of that night. I've had two significant injuries while drunk. One was that and the other was uh, I sprained my ankle incredibly badly one time. And then I played, I sprained it really bad and then like the adrenaline and alcohol combination, I played pool and like pretended it didn't happen I woke up the next morning and I like could not uh, could not walk on it um, alright well we're approaching the end of this uh, the battery life of this here uh, oh do I get to go I think I get to go alright All right. by the way I mean if you're watching the video you get to see like a little bit of uh, Kent Washington in reverse from behind me. Wow, how exciting. Isn't that exciting? How did I get here? Why was I talking about that? We were talking about the Kent Ice Center. That's what got me on it. But was there something, is there any loose end I need to wrap up? I talked about um, John Caparulo, Barungi, roasting him, um, my ego, my deep insecurity, the deep insecurity the comedy provides. Um, I think that's it. Okay. Follow me at the Casey McLean. Um, follow Barunji because I feel guilty. Follow John Caparulo. I don't know him yet. By the time you hear this, I, I know him, but, uh, I don't know him yet. And, uh, have a good life. Have a good weekend. Check out Road Hacks on YouTube. I'm playing golf and swearing and talking to comedians. It's a fun time. Last episode had Jeffrey Baldinger, which was very exciting. Um, Thank you for listening to this podcast, and I will talk to you later.